Hiya, welcome back to Thanks for Asking with me, Doris. Um, hope everyone is doing all right. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about something that we can all relate to. But before I get into that, I just want you guys to know that I just put down a book. This book, I read it for the first time in 2009. It's called Nights of the Creaking Bed, written by Tony Khan. So the book is about life in Lagos. You know, it's just about everyday experiences. When I mean everyday, I mean everyday unlucky experiences. It's a very hilarious read. It's also a very thought-provoking, very emotional. It pulls every single emotion you have in your body. You laugh, you cry, you you hiss, you, you sigh. Everything when you read this book. So if you can find it online or you can walk into any um, bookshop and ask for it. The name of the book, like I said before, is Nights of the Creaking Bed. Um, I think it's published by Cassava. Cassava Republic. Anyway, after I moved to Lagos, I rediscovered the book because sometimes I see some experiences that happen. I'll be like, I've seen this somewhere. And I remember, oh, it was Tony Khan's book. He mentioned something like this. So I was just having a very easy evening and I decided to, you know, read it again. And I read a particular story. So it's a collection of short stories. I don't think I mentioned that. So short stories, some of them are like five pages long. Some of them are like 10 pages long. Different experiences. And now that we are all grown adults, for me now, it's more relatable. The gist of it is the title of the story is sad eyes um the gist of it is this guy goes for a computer lesson he's obviously a grown-up guy that is working um so he goes for these computer classes so that he can maybe learn excel and all of that and then he meets this girl there who he's immediately attracted to um she's very smart she's very intelligent in fact but the only thing he even found out even then that she could even pay for the fees of the course and all of that so i think he paid for her and so they're just flirting flirting and you know the way this story is being told from the guy's perspective so he says um the moment you see her you think of marriage because she's just the perfect you know the perfect wife if there's anything like that like the wife material that's how we say it in nigeria right yeah so let me just read this except i hope i got that right on the first try (laughs) yeah let me read this part of the book (laughs) And so you guys just get it. So, a few days after our strange encounter, she walked out before our Excel test and I followed her. Why are you out here? I asked. Go and write your test, she said, her eyes hooded behind long and thick eyelashes. I will, but why are you here? A few things are better left unsaid, she said, but I tried to get the words out of her. Um, I paid her fees and learned that she was the head of a home, the only girl in the family of four. Her parents' death had made her father mother to three younger brothers. I work. I earn money, but it's never enough. My brothers fall sick, break neighbors' louvers, and sprain their ankles when they play ball. I need help, but I don't know where to find it, she told me one night in a restaurant. You don't have a boyfriend? Uh, I've had a couple, but they get scared when they learn of my birthday. You don't have a girlfriend, I know. She left you, she said. How do you know? You wear it on your sleeve. Your pain is raw. Let it heal. Learn to love again. I took her advice. I found love, but I did not choose Stella. Now chastened by a new and terrible knowledge, I asked myself, why didn't I choose Stella? Because she made you think of marriage the moment you set eyes on her. But how could I marry her and three others? I was young. I had a brother to see through school and a life to live. I was not ready to be weighed down with excess baggage. So one night after we got back from the hospital where doctors had stitched her brother's cot, I fled. The boy had a nasty wound and then lost a lot of blood. I helped carry him to the only bed in the room and then after we had made him comfortable, I told her I had to leave. Tears stood in her eyes and she said thanks. 
Here, I offered her a word of notes. You've done enough, she said, refusing the money. Take it. You'll need it. I swallowed back the lump that rose to my throat. Don't ask about need, she said, forcing herself not to cry. I let the money drop as I walked to the car, drove off. I left that night and never went back. In six months that we had been friends, she'd made no demands. She had taken what I offered and thanked me. She never asked to know my place even though she took me to her own home, a small one-room affair that was poor but clean. Two nights ago, I ran into her brother as I drove my wife and infant son home from the hospital. How is Stella? I asked, wondering at the lines tough life had etched on his young face. She died two years ago. She was found in a ditch. Her private parts gone. End of story. Okay, so um, this brings me to the topic of today. I want to talk a bit about black tax. If you've never heard of black taxes before, it's a phrase, I think it originated from South Africa. It's you know, a phrase that describes how you know, young people, especially of black origin, have to, you know, after they become successful, they have to sort of take care of the rest of the family. So it's not even an option, you get what I mean? Um, it's, about, it's about giving back, it's about, you know, um, what's it called? Like, you know, financial support. It's expected that the moment you make it, you have to take care of the entire family and, you know, contribute and help out family members and all of that. So this is not news to anybody because we know that in our society, we were raised like that, you know. I'm sure most of you listening to this podcast, when you receive your monthly pay or if you're an entrepreneur, um, after you've paid all the bills, you have to settle the money that's left to you. You know, even in fact, what am I saying? Those bills that you have to settle, part of it is family, you know? I mean, there are different things. You know, you're paying for somebody's school fees somewhere, you're contributing for a wedding somewhere, you are getting somebody out of hospital. It's just part of our DNA. It's part of how we, the moment you start to make money, it's just expected. So when I read that story, I wanted to just think, talk about it a bit because, you see, um, as a young woman, I sort of pride myself in the fact that I am no, I'm not a liability to anybody because I work, I earn, you know, so I don't think anybody will meet me and think, oh, she's going to be a burden. So but reading this story, which is 100% fictional, um, I just thought about the fact that this guy, there's, there's so many losses here. This guy has met a girl that he fell in love with on the on first sight, you know, love at first sight. So I know what we say. Fell in love with her, um, but he's run away because of the burden. I mean, she's if dot the first daughter. She has three younger brothers to take care of. She's poor, and everything. And so, what has he done? He's just run away, chosen somebody else that's not the one that he would have liked. She's already married to her. He has a child now. And it's just quite sad that, okay, the girl is dead because obviously she must have gotten into the wrong hands just trying to help her family, help her younger ones. And, you know, she was found, ritualists had taken away her, her body parts and all of that. This story isn't new at all. Um, you know, most times when people meet people or when guys meet young girls, they always try to, you know, gauge you out. So what are you doing? What do you do? What kind of family do you come from? Just trying to understand what kind of burden are you carrying? Because they most likely are carrying their own burden. So they don't want to take on more than they can chew. You know what I mean? So for that reason, they always ask that question. Oh, do you work? Do you have any younger ones? Do you get... And I have, I have some people, I know some personal stories of girls, you know, people I know that people did not, or men did not progress to the next, didn't take the relationship to anywhere because they were afraid of the fact that she seemingly had some burden, she had family to take care of, she had, and for that reason, they just run away. 
So that is quite sad. Um, and there's really nothing I can say to that because it's a smart thing to do as a man if you come into something and you, you know, just they say man, know thyself. If you know that you cannot be a body like that, then hey, it's better you, you know, take a walk. Um, but I'll ask on the other hand, before she, you met her, she was taking care of that body. So why do you think that all of a sudden that if you married her, if you became partners with her, you now take on the responsibility? I don't know. I think it might, so for some people, it might be a convenient excuse. Um, that's just what I think, because if you see a hardworking young girl that's been paying bills, paying school fees, why would she all of a sudden stop doing that? Or you know what I mean? Or are you just trying to be lazy or because the they were supposed to take on each other's bills right so okay no not that we're supposed to become one and you know share the bills share the the life share our bodies you know i mean you're supposed to be their best friend so if you're not best friend enough to understand their, their pressures their pain you want it easy then maybe they did not really lose anything at the end of the day that's this perspective i'm seeing it from you know in the past i've dated somebody and when we were calling off the relationship, one of the things he kept saying to me was the fact that um, I really like you because you're just, you don't stress me. Like you're not stressful or whatever it was he was saying. You know, you come from a family where everybody is doing well. Everyone has their own stuff. So I don't think, I've never seen you say you have to go and, you know, pay school fees or whatever, whatever. This was his assumption. So, and... The other girl in the picture, he was saying things like, ah, no, I can never be with her because ah, every day is saying, help me, help me. Family, you know, she has too much load. So even if you leave me, I'm not going to go to her. Some kind of stupid, <laughs> pardon my language. But yeah, that was a kind of silly excuse anyway. So I understand that sometimes people can make a choice of, you know, I could be that or that easier choice because, oh, this one doesn't have a lot of stress. She's working. She she, she has her own thing. So yeah. But I don't also want someone to make a decision to be with me just because I do not come with anybody. So I don't think there are any winners here. The major issue is the black tax system. And that's why I want to talk a bit about it. See, uh, Nigeria is hard. Lagos is hard. I live in Lagos, so maybe I should say that. Like, your money doesn't go anywhere. I've said it before on this podcast. Like, this city is very expensive to live in. Even people that live abroad, I've lived abroad, I can tell you, like, they work... Long hours, they are shifts, they are working more than one job, all of that. So everybody, nobody has it easy. Then at the end of the day, the expectations, the bills, God, the bills, it's not even bills that you can plan. You know, something just springs up. Ah, somebody fell out of a bus, so their leg is now hanging on a thread. Please, we need help. This, there's just everybody seeking help from different angles all the time. So you see that pay you made takes a level of discipline to say, I'm not going to, I, I must save this amount. If not, problem, things will come. Like if not even family, because in my case, most times it's not even family. I mean, it could be the pastor somewhere. Somebody's kid has to go back to school. Somebody's kid is in the hospital, you know, someone or a group. Oh God, we even had this chat recently. Me and my friends talking about how, the more WhatsApp groups you're in, the more likely it is to be made to contribute for one thing or the other. So I said to them, I don't join any WhatsApp groups. So if push comes to shove and there's something important they're contributing for, they will find you and I'll come and contribute and go. But to stay on the group year in, year out, I'm just, 
<laughs> I'm an open target. Hey guys, shoot me, finish me, take everything. Because imagine when you're in your primary school WhatsApp group, people will be getting married every day. People will be having child education. People will be contributing. Ashwabi, Ashwabi, primary school, come to secondary school. You will now still gather in secondary school WhatsApp group, be contributing for Ashwabi, contributing for wedding and uh, child education. People have hospital bills. People have licensing or exam fees they want to pay for. That's another one you'll be contributing. University group, another one. NYSC group, another one. Church group. Ah, can I, I can't even count how many groups people can form. Every time there are three or more people are gathered, WhatsApp group has been created. So imagine all those plenty WhatsApp groups. You just hear dump, dropping, dropping, dropping. 5K here, 10K here, 5K here, 2K here, 3K here, 1K. Uh-uh. Before you know it, it all racks up. It all takes away from whatever money it is you have. So this is not even family. This is not... You're not under any kind of obligation per se. For me, though, the way I manage that one is not being in all these plenty, plenty groups. I have groups that I am in that are like-minded people, you know. So whenever it is that we are ever contributing for anything, most times it's not even for members. It's for a cause. It's for a project. It's for a community development work. It's for that kind of thing. I would contribute without even batting an eyelid, you know. Um, and then anything else, even if someone is getting married, you can just give a gift out of your own volition. Or even, you know, I'm not saying that any need surpasses another need. You get, I'm not saying that. But personally, the way I manage it is the fact that I contribute, but I don't have to be in the group because what happens with the groups is that the moment you stay in the group and you keep contributing, you also now feel as if um, when it's my turn, they're also going to contribute for me. I don't have that POV, but other members of the group will have that POV. So when it's their turn, they expect you to contribute for them. And I'll never bring my demands to you people to contribute for me. So why am I the one paying all of this tax, friendship tax or whatever it is, we'll call it. But this very important one is about family. Ah, Okay, so I've, I know people that you see the kind of burden, they're in debt. I mean, they have taking out loans so their salary is not actually their salary but family doesn't know so they're standing order on their account people are taking different kind of things people think different things they've contributed taking money from they're in ajor so they may have taken money in the past they wanted to use it to do something serious so ajor is a local contribution scheme we do in nigeria i'm just mindful of the fact that not everybody that listens to my podcast is in nigeria um so in this ajor system it's like people a group of people come together and contribute a certain amount per month so each month, one person takes the money. Um, so it's like a cycle. In six months, everybody would have gone around taking the money and then and they start another cycle again. So it's quite possible that the person that you're expecting to give you money during the contribution and took one million naira at the start of the year. So they're paying back that one million for the next six months probably. But you don't even know that. So you just assume that, oh, he's earning... For instance, let's just say he's earning 400,000 naira and I should be able to take care of me, not knowing that that 400,000 is actually 200,000 because he probably used that 1 million naira to do something, maybe some kind of capital intensive project or maybe bought a land or whatever. But we're not in people's pockets, but the expectation doesn't change, especially in black communities or in Africa, in Nigeria. In Nigeria, we are raised with this thing and it's a cycle. I'm not even, there's nobody who's getting any blame here. It's just how do we manage this? That's what I'm really thinking. I'm going. I'm just thinking out loud, to be fair, because it's a cycle. Think about it. When I was in secondary school, I think my, my mother personally stopped paying for my, or my parents stopped paying for my education in maybe at the end of secondary school. My university education was taken care of by one of my elder sisters, you know, and I owe her a lot to today. 
she herself and her husband took care of my throughout my university education even till even after i left university even till now as i'm a full-grown adult even when i moved to lagos they still support me because for, for me i was assigned to them like okay this is your child you know take care of her and till to date they still send me money to take care of my needs so you understand that, that if people that know that okay they have a younger sister now that is doing well for herself but they still feel obliged to help me if I'm in need, it is then not possible that I would not also take care of the younger ones under me because that's how it works. Somebody will take care of you so you can take care of others. So that's how we are raised, you know. Some people bite the fingers that fed them. Oh my God, if we were to do a poll, you know, ask our, our parents, can you come and tell us of all the people that you people supported when you were young that did not care about you guys when you were old? guys listening to this podcast i can tell you everybody's family everybody's parents has at least five people they can mention that beat their hands after they had finished feeding them so is there not something for us in our generation to learn it is important we have this conversation some things that we don't want to say because oh it's in the bible that you should help other give more than give give um give us never lack you know blesses the hand that give it all of that they're in the bible so we just don't want to think about the possibility that you could decide not to be, not to make the mistakes our parents made. But I can bet you, every time I have these chats with my friends, we can talk about, oh, there's always one uncle. My father sold his last shirt to send him to America. He got to America, he did not even send Tringon back. This happens all the time. In every single family. There is a family friend, there is a friend somewhere that was, my father took more than his, or my mother. And mostly it's even also men that have this problem a lot. You know, I think with women, I think maybe because we, we all assume each other, we assume that we don't, all of us do not have money. <laughs> this is just a sweeping assumption, right? So we don't really ask each other for money like that. But with men, you will see your subordinate that is maybe earning, just earning, just earning little, just managing himself. You will see the kind of amount that his friends will be asking him to loan them. Eh? Somebody will call him and say, ah, please, guy, I need three million for a project. Whatever. I'll say three million. How much is this annual? But... The way you guys tax each other, eh? Ah, it's bro, bros over holes. Oh, bro code. No, you must be there for your bros, whatever, whatever. Huh, what the hell is that? So, in 20 years' time now, I can bet you you'll be giving your grandchildren story of this, your bro, that you gave your last card, you took a loan on his behalf, and nothing came out of it. Not this doesn't happen all the time, but at least majority of the stories... So I would, you know, I could say maybe like there's a 50% chance that you could end up like that or even maybe slightly more. This is what happens. So I know that we have a culture where we have to give back because somebody gave, gave us, right? But where do we draw the line? That's why black people, they said this affects our generational wealth. You cannot even invest. You ask yourself, I've been working for 10 years. I don't have this amount saved up. Where do you think all that money went to? There is this um, principle in physics where they say energy can never be created nor destroyed. That thing is, I think, is the first law of thermodynamics, right? It stuck to my head somewhere because what that means to me, because I have this penchant for translating science terms into normal life or whatever. What this explains to, or how I interpret this to mean is that things don't disappear into thin air. It always goes somewhere. So that money you can say, I've been working for the past 10 years and you calculate how much you earned each year. And you see that ah, for each year I was getting at least 5 million. So in 10 years, you should be able to show where 50 million went into. That's the fact. So if you don't know where that 50 million went into, and maybe in your entire savings out of this till 50 million that you're supposed to have, 
you only you can actually just show five million or ten million. That forty million, where did it go to? Buy a new car, iPhone, hang out with friends, and loan friends that never came back. Do business venture that failed, and give family, pay school fees. Do this that you if you actually look at the numbers, you see that the numbers are very very large. That's why we cannot grow wealth. That's why the children of the rich are richer because they don't have these pressures we have. Because for us, it's the money that comes in, it's the salary that comes in, it's the money from your business, it's the side hustle. All of that is what's supposed to rack up, right? And we will use and take care of our children in the future, all of that. But when you're putting it into a basket and it's just leaking out from different angles, we need to really just sit down with ourselves and ask ourselves these questions. Because of recent, I've noticed that personally for me, sometimes I, I ask myself, where did all the money go? Where did it all go? And then I now start thinking back. And I, sometimes I just go to my WhatsApp and see that I haven't responded to some WhatsApp messages. It's, hi, Doris, this has happened. Ah, some people, when I go see any hello, ma, whenever I see hello, ma, when anybody just start calling me, ma, I already know that there is a bill under that message. I will not even open it. It's the truth. I avoid those messages because I know that something is involved. I don't know how they say it. So everything just goes out of our pockets like that. And for those that are on the demanding side, I beg. I don't call you people to ask you people for help. I don't call anybody to beg them. Why is it then okay that, and I'm ready to do for the people that did for me, and I'm ready to take care of the obligations I know I have. But these other extras, then where is the source of it? Where do you think this money will come from to be using to just settle all these bills, all this, my child is going back, jam blessing, this one, that one, that one, haba. Dear receiver, if you are listening to this podcast and you're that person that always used to call out to other people to say, help me, get me this, I need this, I need that. You need to really put yourself in check because you guys don't understand. Sometimes, yeah, the people that are receiving are also using you, are also using what they receive to fend for their own bills as well, to also go down. So it's like a food chain you take from this one. You now give the person you give gave us. So you come to Doris and say, Doris, you have a problem to solve. She gives you 20k. You take another 20k. Somebody has already called you, they have a problem to solve. You give them 10k. The person will go down. Somebody down down the chain also needs 5k. Give them 5k. Someone lower down needs 1k. That's how to trickle down all the way. But if you had said no, I don't have, which is the truth, you don't have. Because if you had, you will not come to somebody to ask them for money. It's just what it is. So it's like I don't have. I'm sorry. I cannot help you. Why are we so afraid of saying no? Is it reputation? Is it what? Like I say no. I always say no. That's one I learned, I think, for the past three years. I say no to Ashwabi. No, I don't care where you are. What wedding you are doing, no? <laughs> like my boss in office say, I don't care which Jupiter you are trying to do. I'm not buying Ashwabi. I'm sorry. It is a waste of clothes. I don't wear trad. I don't. I don't go for events. So I'll just waste that money, buy it, sew it, do everything for just keep it inside a box. In fact, it fills up my boxes because they're always so big. They're not even like jeans or tops that can, you can wrap. Very big with gele. I don't even know how to tie gele. It's gone to my head right now. I don't know the first step of putting a gele on my head. So why would I buy it? So I'm not buying. If I feel as if, no, if I, if I don't come, if I don't wear it to come for the wedding, I'll be looking like, uh, uh, what you might call them, uh, beggar. I will not even come for the wedding, JJ. The highest thing I've said to anybody that is not offended, I did not come for their wedding. Please, I beg you, don't come for mine. That's it. I know go vex. I 100% promise you say I know go vex. <laughs> That's the truth. But I've stopped buying Ashwabi for years now. I don't buy. Because I've come to tell myself the truth that this is a waste of money. So you have to first understand that you do not have. I've had this chat with my friends as well. I tell them, if you guys can check your day, your monthly pay, divide it and find out how much you earn per day, your attitude to money will change. When you just say, okay, 
let's use a multiple that works. So you earn 600,000 a month. No, let me use a better example. So you earn 400,000 Naira every month. And let's say five working days a week, four weeks a month, that's 20 days, 20 working days a month. So you do the, the math. So you divide 400,000 by 20, you get 20,000 Naira a day. That's what you earn. So you remove your rent from that. So if you're staying in a house of, let's say you are very bougie, you're renting a house of 2 million Naira a month, a, a year, sorry. So 2 million Naira divided by 365 will be about 5,500 Naira per day. That's your daily rent. That's also important. By the time you add your other bills and whatever, let me just ballpark estimate. It might come up to like 8,000 Naira a day. So, so you remove that from 20,000 Naira. You have 12,000 Naira is what is left for you right you haven't talked about feeding all and driving to work and all of that all of it but it's, see yeah, if you come granular you will see that the actual disposable income or whatever it is is called in economics is maybe around five thousand that's about 25 percent of that pay you earn or if you're actually very prudent, prudent with money it could come to maybe 50 percent or 40 percent of that and you say you want to save half of that 20 percent of that is saved so at the end of the month, you, and you give out the rest, you do all these other things you have to do, which is what we all do. You can't even deny, except you are like, akagom, you know, I know they give. But most times we all, all give. You now realize that every day I go to work, the only thing I can say I saved, the only benefit, the profits to me in this going to work is only 2,500 naira. That's what I'm working for. 2,500 naira. Is that not when you will now start looking for a better job that pays you more? But even if you find a job that pays you 10 times, the bills are going to go up 10 times as well if you do not plug the holes that this money is going out from this black tax of the thing. Lord, it's deep or it's really, really, as in, sometimes when you see people whining and saying, I can't give, I'm tired, I think I'm tired. I'm only one person. It moves me to tears because I know when I've felt like that sometimes, when I've just opened a message and I've seen one bill waiting there, somebody has said something and I want to help, but I said, how, how can I help? I wish the people would understand that. Can you ask somebody else? I've tried now. I'm sure you know, you know other people. I'm sure you know, you have it within you to solve this problem with time involving me. Guys, I don't know. I don't know how we can manage this but like i'm just trying to give some of the tips that i personally use like i said i avoid whatsapp groups because <laughs> it's just like you're ringing a bell saying hey look at me now hey look at me now uh i'm getting paper <laughs> yeah that's what that's what it looks like to me you know can you said in the song called um saint pablo he said my wife said i can't say no to nobody and at this rate we both gone die broke I got friends that asked me for money knowing that I'm in debt. And like my wife said, I could still didn't say no. You get what I mean? Like people know you're in debt. Or people will know that you don't have money, but they will still come to you. So he said his wife is telling him that we're going to die broke at this rate, the way you're giving. You know, he says, I guess it's hard to decipher all of the bills, especially when you got family members on payroll. Guys, it's true. We all have our family members on payroll. It's just that you don't, you don't have your own payroll. You think it's only your HR and your companies that have payroll. You have your own personal payroll where you're just not aware. So even people that are, that are as rich as Kanye, they're actually also complaining that, men, it's hard to decipher all the bills because you just know that bills is just living, 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 living. How come nobody is also giving me? Should we all become beggars? And, you know, I mean, there are people that are way richer than me. I could every month just be saying, I have problem, I have problem. So that I'll be collecting as well. Because at this rate, no, it's, nothing is coming in, but so much is living. And this is not just me. It happens to all of us. You know, maybe except the, the you know, stingy ones. I wouldn't even call it stingy at this point. Just people that just do not give. 
I think it was about a year ago, I learned about this concept called the Franklin effect. This was, I think, proposed by um, Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers of, of the USA. He said that someone is more likely to do you a favor if they've done you a favor before. So if you're trying to get someone to help you, you'd rather go to someone that you have gone to before than go to someone that you haven't even gone at all, gone to at all. Um, so you can look it up and read more about it. But what that says to you as a giver is that people are always going to come back because the, the people that beg, they know that some people, if you like, can't go to them, they'll never answer. But you that you always answer, they'll always come back to you. So that's that Franklin effect, which says to them that someone is more likely to do you a favor if they've done you a favor before. So in business, for instance, when I was working in sales, I know the people in organizations that you can talk to, they, they, they're never saying, ah, no, I've tried before for you. You know, they will still help you. They'll still tell you, oh, submit your bid or whatever. So in salespeople, you should always go to the person, person that has helped you before. Don't go and say, oh, that man, don't try for me. Let me switch. Because that person you're switching to doesn't send you. You get. So me knowing that, I was like, ah, okay, I'm not going to be the person that will be the victim of this Franklin effect. Though. If I've helped you once, please go to other people, I beg. You get what I mean? Because this system is not, it's very detrimental to the giver. There's nothing, there's hardly anything you get out of it. And they said, the, the Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. When I'm giving without that cheer, there's even no blessing that comes in. So that's another angle altogether. If at any point you're compelled to give and you don't feel as if, no, you're giving with cheer and happiness and when you're giving reluctantly, are there any blessings that are going to come? Probably not. So when you're stretched so thin, um, I don't know, how are you ever going to be cheerful with giving? You know, and what is even most painful about this is that people try to live in your pocket. They try to estimate how much you earn. They try to say, ah, uh-uh, she's unmarried now. She doesn't have any children now. Uh-uh. What's she doing with her money? Well, that's the craziest part of They believe that, oh, single people have zero, nothing to do with money. Imagine. <laughs> God, you are the one that will just decide that ah, this person is working so hard, but she has nothing to do with her money. Let me let me go and share out of the loot. Nah. So because you cannot stop the receivers from coming, you can't stop the black taxes from being filed, <laughs> if there's anything like that. It's for you to now also draw the line to say, okay, this is how much I have to, to give out this month. Um, It's here. It's like in a sort of escrow account. Depending on the first three people to call me and ask for help, I can give you guys and then I end it. It's, it's over. So if that your maximum permissible you can give out is 50000 once it's done for that month or that quarter, no matter any Jupiter that comes to ask you, you don't have. Because the truth is that we need to understand that we do not have. We don't. Except you're earning really well and then the black taxes are very negligible compared to what you're earning. But when you realize that the kind of money they are calling you for, the kind of bills, hospital bills, school fees, all those things that, that go out of your pocket are maybe half your salary. You haven't thought about your rent because if you divide your rent into daily rent, you see that your rent is like 25% of whatever you earn or even more. For us as Igbo people, it's even much worse because we have this um, saying where they say, Onyaga la wanea. It means do not forsake your brothers. You know, so it's like you know, we we rise by by helping others or whatever it is. Charity begins at home, you know. So expectations are too much. In fact, you might think you're doing it. Eh? They are not even counting whatever you're doing in the city as anything, because you haven't come back home to do for them. You know, they want you to come and sponsor the youths of the village. They want you to come and do. That is when it counts. Now, yes, you have actually not neglected your brothers. They don't understand your pressures, your pain, and all of that. You know, it's a good saying. I love it a lot. The fact that we are. We are very, we are like a, a clan, like, you know, like, uh, you know, you your brothers, you know, we'll say one for all of that. It's very nice, but I just mean that you also need to decide how much is it I'm giving. Because sometimes 
you get? So if you can say, okay, what is my profit on my salary? At the end of the day, everything I'm working for out of that 400K is actually 100,000 Naira. I'll bring out 20K out of that and give to this community or this, my brothers, and then keep the rest, start saving towards retirement because you're not all, we're not going to be young forever. Start investing, start making smart money choices. So I think I've sort of, you know, <laughs> spoken about this. I've just sort of unpacked it to myself because most times it's when I start to record the podcast that I, you know, things start to make sense to me in my head. Um, it's quite unfortunate that a lot of young women um, are seen as a burden just because they have other burdens, you know. They, maybe if their parents are late or their parents are in the village and they're in the city, young men feel as if, oh, these ones are reliability i cannot take care of them and take care of their family which is a valid concern similarly some girls have said they will never marry a firstborn they'll be like ah if, I, if they meet a guy that is a firstborn they'll be like i beg go i know once because all his younger ones are he's responsible for them so not only am i going to have to take care of you know it will be a constant battle sometimes you can even come into the family and they say oh he was doing like this for us the moment she came in he stopped taking care of us you now become the subject of malicious gossip, hatred, all of that, just because they feel as if their brother is no longer taking care of them because he met you or he married you. In fact, sometimes you can even be fighting over take care of my children, over take care of your siblings. That this seems happening. So some girls avoid firstborns just because of that. So you can imagine how black taxes are actually impacting on our choices for life partners, for people we do business with, just because we know for sure that these people cannot run away from these obligations they have. So, um, as much as we're giving, we also need to know that at some point you do not have. And saying I don't have is not a lie. When you figure out and you understand that you really don't have, then maybe you make better financial decisions. And also, it might also help the person that's always coming back to beg to go back and reflect and look for how to stop the, or live within their means or find more creative ways to solve their problems, start a business, do something. because. Doris, Bank of Doris is closed indefinitely. It's folded. <laughs> yes, Bank of Doris has gone has gone under. So go and find another place to solve your problem. Abby? Alright. This is a very heavy topic. This is not very it's not usually my style, but these things have to be said. So if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please you know what to do. Subscribe. <laughs> find us on Instagram at thanks for asking podcast. Uh, Alright, until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Bye!